Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am Pastor Brad Mathias here in the studio with my co-host. Melanie Medina. It's so good to be here with you, Brad. I really enjoy this. You know that? Awesome. Well, you know, you are a Red River Valley girl, so... <laughs> you continue it's to It's kind of fun to say that. Valley girl. Red I... River Valley girl. So for those who are just tuning in, she's from North Texas, and there's a, there's a river called the Red River, and you live near it, and that's kind of a thing there. I, I do. It forms a boundary between Texas and Oklahoma, and mm. we live on a lake there called Lake Texoma. Which makes sense if it's the yeah. boundary between Texas and Oklahoma. It does. It absolutely yeah. does. But I'm not a valley girl. I, I mean, I oh. am a Red River. Valley. Okay. Well, okay. We'll just say you're from the Red River Valley. <laughs> valley girls. I, you know, I'm not even sure this audience would know for sure about that. That was from uh, the 80s, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Pre. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember it. And I'm 50. Right. So that's the I, first thing I saw Nicolas Cage in. Oh, that goes back. Did he have hair? Still? He did. Okay. A ton of it. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I was watching uh, some Nicolas Cage movies the other day. Uh, I discovered Disney Plus, mm. and there were these, you know, awesome pictures that I saw with my kids. And I got real nostalgic as I was watching like uh, these these movies about American history, yeah. you know, like some of the, I don't want to say the, the name because I don't want to promote stuff. Right. The, he did these movies that were brilliant mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, they were really good. Those are the ones that when I would travel with my kids to engagements they had, those are the ones we would zap into the hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Very good movies. Great movies. Well, you know, as we go through life, there are sort of moments of clarity. Um, I, it's kind of like you get 2020 vision, uh, with your spirit and your mind working together, uh, which, uh, it, it doesn't happen as often as I'd like for it to, but I've noticed as I've gotten older, it becomes a little clearer, uh, especially as you look back mm. and, uh, this, you know, this is a really helpful thing to take a moment and, really review where you're at in your journey of faith, where you're at as a family, uh, as a husband and wife, these moments of sort of pausing in the Bible, in the Psalms, we would call that Selah, S-E-L-A-H, is this idea of pause and ponder or think about this. Um, And today I feel like that's kind of where we're at with this, uh, with this guest. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. Um, Our guest today is an author and she's a modern day working mom. She's a blogger. She's a Bible teacher. She works with women in marriage ministry. Um, She's very, very active in ministry to real life moms. Her name is Kristen Funston, and she's the author of a brand new book that I'm kind of excited to hear more about. The name of her book, More for Mom. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting, Kristen. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I can't wait to chat. Great. Well, right away, uh, I 
I was looking through your materials, thinking about this uh, interview, and you were using words that get my attention. And one of the words <laughs> that you used was wholeness. Uh huh. I want to know more about that. What do you? I mean, that's in the main DNA of this book, I think, uh, this idea yeah. that God has called us to live from a place of wholeness. Tell us right. how, that, how that works for, for moms. Right. Well, it's honestly, um, I, when I first set out to write a book, um, and this is kind of <laughs> like behind the scenes information, but I was working with my agent. We were honing my message and my, my book message was originally called embrace the crazy, um, you know, embrace the craziness of the season you're in. And I was talking with my, my agent and she actually read a sentence that I had written and it's still in the book. It's still in the first chapter. And I was talking about how we view our lives, um, in, in segments and fragments, uh, you know, we've got our mom life over here, our social life over here. Um, the work life, we have all these fragments and we view our, our lives that way. And, but in reality, and the sentence said something like the reality is that our lives aren't split up into these different segments or whatever label it is, but instead are whole and wholly authentic together as one. So this idea of wholeness. And when she read that, she was like, okay, this is what people need to know. And I was like, well, yeah, that's why I'm writing about it. And so but she, <laughs> we repackaged it in a way that we threw that into the title because ultimately that's what our lives boil down to. And so I get asked the question a lot about what it means to be whole and what it means to be holy. But this idea of wholeness stems all the way back to the garden with Adam and Eve in the way humans we were created. And because I'm always hungry, I, <laughs> I think of it in terms of food, like whole foods. These foods are in their in a natural state, the way nature intended for them to be, or as close to it as possible. And it's the healthiest form of that food. And thinking about our creation, Adam and Eve were physically, emotionally, spiritually healthy and complete and whole in the garden with each other and with God. Everything was complete. And this is how it was supposed to be, the way nature intended for us to be. And so, but sin came into play. We know this and we know that uh, we have, because we're human and we're sinners, we have a broken relationship with God. But when we claim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our relationship with our created, creator is restored back to that place of wholeness, that uh, completing us in a way that's emotionally and spiritually whole. Um, and so it's our wholeness is based on God's ability to mend our brokenness and overlook our sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah, I think that um, in in listening to you talk about being whole, um, and and that I love the correlation to the food because I really uh -huh. like I like food too. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but you um, in this book, you are really encouraging we women to stop believing a lie that uh, we need to do more, that more is required of us. And, um, and I, I totally, boy, I can relate to that completely, um, as a former solo mom, but, um, looking at you in chapter five, in chapter five of your book, um, you, uh, talk about a time that you met one of your children's teachers. Mm 
<laughs> yes. And if you could, I think that that, that chapter for me, boy, I, I worked at my kid's school, um, my mom was not the room mom growing up. Uh And I would really, if you could just, could you nutshell that chapter for us? Yes. So that chapter is, it's called raving fans. And ultimately it's the entire subject. The entire chapter is based on expectations, the expectations that we place on ourselves, the ones that culture places on us, the ones we think Uh, The ones we place on others and the ones we think that are placed on us, even if they're not. And so I, um, gosh, expectations, they can be, they can be so, so heavy. And so I, I tell this story about when it was the first day, I believe of first grade or second grade. I can't remember off the top of my head now, but my daughters, we had the parent meeting where we go and meet the teacher and everybody, we learn about what the curriculum they're going to be doing that year. Um, uh, we get to know the teacher and discipline efforts that she'll, she'll make that kind of stuff. But then at the end of the meeting, the teacher and no joke, she locked all the parents in the room and said, nobody is leaving until I have a room parent volunteer. Oh, man. <laughs> and, yes. And she meant business. And let me tell you the, <laughs> I, and I, I was thinking back to kindergarten because, you know, in kindergarten, all the parents are real enthusiastic (laughs) and we had to have a vote on who was going to be the room parent that year. But it was the next year, a couple years later where nobody volunteered. Mm -hmm. And as I looked around the room, I remember seeing, um, I remember seeing a lawyer in town who worked crazy hours, um, a successful real estate person. Um, there was a nurse that worked night shifts that had was either just coming in or just going into work. Like she was still in her scrubs. There was a military officer there. Like, and I remember thinking, surely this teacher doesn't realize we, all of us have approximately 1 billion things going on (laughs) and (laughs) just to, you know, narrow it down. But I, but she really did lock us in there. And I, I, I I did say a silent, quick little bullet prayer asking, you know, is this what I'm supposed to do? Because I'll be real clear and honest in saying that I am not room mom material. (laughs) I'm not, (laughs) I am not crafty. I, I, and this is full confession. I, have a hard time liking children (laughs) besides my own. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, I love my children and I love their friends, but like to be around kids more than I already have to, I I sometimes struggle with that. And you can think I'm a terrible person. It's okay. (laughs) I've come to, I've come to grips with that, but I, and I, I was thinking, I was praying. I was like, is this the year that I do room mom? And, but and it wasn't, it wasn't for me. And so I didn't volunteer because that was my third child was just about to be born. My husband was actually um, severely injured from an accident. He had just been in. So I was his caregiver at the time. I had work. I had all these other things. I had my other children and it just wasn't the time for me. And I knew this. However, I almost volunteered because I thought that was what I should do. You know, I thought it was the thing that good moms do, ah, but, yeah. but the looking back, 
now I, and I wanted to, I wanted to be that good mom. But if when looking back, I realized that I only wanted it because I thought I should. And so, because, you know, that's what all the good moms do, right? They're the Pinterest perfect room moms. They volunteer as room moms and they put together goodie bags and they make um, wholesome breakfast, lunch, and dinners every day. They wash their kids every day. You know, I want to be that mom, Mm -hmm. but in reality, I'm not, you know, I'm not crafty. I have, I barely make it to field day. Um, I hardly ever cook because I'm a terrible cook. Luckily my husband is great one. (laughs) Um, but so this expectation that I had, and you know, the teacher had of someone in that room and the expectation that I hold of room moms, it's, that's exactly what it is. It's an expectation. And so I've had to really be intentional, intentional about refusing to believe that those expectations that I put on myself, that Pinterest has put on myself and others is what makes a good mom. Mm. Yeah. I, I want to cut in just a second because what you're describing, I, I'm laughing because I I've I know exactly what you're saying and it's impossible. Like yes. there is no good mom according to that definition. Like <laughs> right. even the people you're seeing aren't good. It's just the best picture that they had of yes. a moment that otherwise might have been a disaster. But social right. media allows us to sort of brush it up a little and it looks fantastic when in reality, you know, they might've burst into tears seconds after the picture was posted. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's funny and nobody would know this and except for the parents that were in that room that day, but we, that, that year, I think there were three or four parents who got together and split the duties because, and while from the outside looking in, like from the other classes looking in, it may have looked, I mean, our party's rocked. They were awesome. And so from the outside looking in, it probably looks like we had one fantastic room parent just killing it at being room mom. <laughs> but we know, cause we were in that room locked in there and the teacher knows that we were only able to do it because we split up the duties and one person took on communication and one person took on, um, putting together the goodie bags. And one person took on collecting money for teacher gifts, you know, we split up the duties. And so from the outside looking in, it wasn't, it wasn't at all what it was really like. And so I've had to, like I said, I've had to be real intentional at making sure I look to scripture first off for what makes a good, a good mom, a good parent, because I think, I mean, there's a lot to it, but you know, I think the good moms aren't necessarily the ones who are able to meet all those cultural expectations. I mean, maybe they are, but they are also the ones who follow their dreams and work hard at whatever they do. They love their people well, and they give Jesus all the credit and glory along the way. In my opinion, that's what makes the good moms. And I'm doing air quotes. The good <laughs> ones. Good- <laughs> I feel the air quotes. I can see those. Um, and don't you think um, that those expectations that the uh, those of us who are good moms or bad moms, uh, mm-hmm. and what the world says that is, don't you think that those are just dirty little lies from the enemy? Um, that oh. we're just believing, I mean, how, what other, what other lies can you think of that we as moms need to just block out? 
Oh, well, yes, <laughs> they are. There's lots of dirty little lies. Mm. The ones about expectations. I think the ones where we look at our lives um, as separate and um, fragmented, like I was talking about, um, I think that we need to recognize and embrace the fact that we live one whole life and there, yes, there are different parts to it, but those are all ingredients that make up the whole, our one whole life. Um, I also, and a lot, a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I do believe that moms and non-moms, people who want to be moms, um, believe the lie that motherhood is the highest calling. My opinion, um, scripture, there's nowhere in scripture that it says that I can't find it at least. And we put motherhood on this pedestal and yes, it's a, it's a fantastic Avenue. It's great. And it's good and holy, but our highest calling is to live for God and glorify him. And we can do that through motherhood, but um, I think some of us, you know, both mothers and non-mothers alike put motherhood a little higher than it needs to be. Um, and then also lies about our identity, mm-hmm. you know, that ones that say our worth is based on our work um, and we must be always doing or giving two or four other people. Um, I think those are some of the lies that we we fall for daily. So good. You're not wrong. So I'm I'm listening to you, ladies, uh, as you're talking, uh, moms, and I'm thinking through this sort of sort of Christianese, right? As a pastor and living in Tennessee for 20 years, I recognize there's a Christian culture that mm-hmm. is distinct from maybe what the Bible says. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that that you talk about in your book, I believe, is that you believe balance is a myth. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Um, as- tell, tell me more about that, because there's so many you know, seminars and books being written by, quote, Christian authors where they mm-hmm. they sort of push you towards finding balance. And yeah. and I, I'm really intrigued by you saying I'm not sure that's real. So talk about. No, that. no. Well, and I I think. Okay, let's look at the definition of balance. Balance is, um, and I don't have the dictionary right in front of me, but basically it says that everything is going to be even on all sides. You know, if you have a scale, you're looking at a scale, you put something on one side, it's going to tip that way. If you put something that weighs um, more or less, it's going to tip based on the weight. And so to say Culture, I believe, tells us or it gives us this impression that we can live balanced lives. And however, that's not the case. You know, at any given moment, we're going to have things weighing heavier than others. You know, whether that's, you know, I have, I live in a home with three children, 10 and under, you know, so their needs weigh pretty heavily on me right now, their physical needs that, you know, the things I can physically do for them. Um, later it'll be more emotional stuff. Um, you know, work weighs more heavily for some people than stuff at home any, any given day, any given week. And so this idea of balance tells us that things will be perfectly even. And however, 
I think God has something better intended for us than balance and less strict and less drastic as balance. And that's rhythm. You know, if you look at everything in the universe, everything in the universe, everything God created has more of a rhythm to it than it does balance. You know, the, the, the seasons come in rhythm. The, the earth goes around the sun in rhythm once a year, even the waves on the beach come in rhythm. You know, everything has rhythm to it. And even scripture, you know, there's in Ecclesiastes, I think it's Ecclesiastes three. It's where scripture tells us how there's a time and a place for everything. And I think that's the perfect little section to look at the rhythms of life. And that, in when you read it, you read it in rhythm. It's, it's crazy. And so I think we more than balance, we can view our lives with in around this idea of rhythm versus the mm-hmm. strictness of balance. Okay. So I'm going to get, I'm going to dig in a little here. Uh, get okay. practical. Um, I see a lot of uh, Christians, and I have personally experienced this in my devotional life, where people really sort of get legalistic and say, mm-hmm. well, did you spend time with God today at, you know, the designated time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and we can create some really, really painful burdens on ourselves that are really not healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And and. You know, the idea then that uh, I'm good with God if I spent that time with him that was in my schedule or my planner today, um, or I'm bad with God because I didn't spend time with him in my schedule and planner because I wanted to sleep an extra half an hour because the kids kept me up till one in the morning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, This idea of balance now starts to take on a more tangible thing. um, Yes. That. We really can't live in balance when you have children. <laughs> like that's <laughs> not not always possible. And so I, I'm really enjoying the fact that you're sort of bringing out this high thought concept. But I wanted mm-hmm. to get it practical for the mom who's listening. Yeah. Um, that the the standard for a godly woman or mother isn't how perfectly scheduled your life is. Mm-hmm. It's something else. What is that other factor. What do you think? I well, I love that you said that. Let me back up because I love that you said that about, you know, having a checklist, basically. That's when you said it, that's what came to my mind because I'm a very type A person. If I don't get, if I don't start my day with a little bit of me time with my Bible, I get all thrown out of whack. You know, I, I feel my life quote feels out of balance. And so But like you said, because when you have children or actually, I think when you have any type of relationship, when people are involved in your life, which is going to be for everybody, that it's going to be hard, you know, to be super strict and, um, and check off that list of doing, doing your quiet time at the exact right time of day, every day. Um, but it's going to look like in the different seasons, it's going to look like so many different things. Um, I, when, you know, when you have newborns, my quiet time, well, it wasn't quiet. It's still not quiet. If you will, you know, it's going to look like different things. Um, when I was actually speaking with a friend, maybe 
a week ago. And she was telling me how frustrated she's been the past couple of weeks because she has not, things have come up. She has not been able to sit down and study God's word like she wanted to. She has not been praying like she has in the past. Um, and she, and we were talking through it and she's like, you know what? Now that I think about it, it's okay because I'm thinking that my, my time with God has to look like this with candles in the morning and quiet music playing. But ultimately like later that day, she was in the car playing worship music and she was praying then and worshiping God. Then she's like, I don't know why I got so frustrated immediately because, and maybe it's because we don't like change. I don't know, but she was, and we were talking through this and it's going to look because of these rhythms and the seasons that our lives go through and the people that come in and out of our lives and their needs come in and out of our lives. Then it goes back to the expectations thing. We, we can't expect things to be quote perfect every time that we try to be intentional and grow our relationship with God. You know, God, when we are sitting down, it's funny. Um, I really, really like having, as I mentioned a minute ago, I really like having a, a, an hour alone, quiet, nobody's bothering me. Nobody's walking in the room and out. Um, and I really like when I can feel like get an emotional high, if you will, from reading God's word. But sometimes that doesn't happen. You know, I think faith is um, not a feeling, it's an action. And if we are just going, going to his throne of grace and whatever, what, whatever that looks like, whether it's in the mornings of quiet, whether it's in the car, whether it's um, in line, in car line or driving down the road or doing the dishes or laundry, you know, I think we need to not get caught up in the fact that it's going to feel good every time. Mm. That's so good. That little blast of reality sometimes um, gives us a little bit of whiplash <laughs> doesn't yep. it? when we have that routine. Okay. You know, you're talking about um, not being able to, you know, really get in and read God's word because I am a subscriber to your email. Um, yeah. I am aware that you are involved in something really cool, uh, uh -huh. comfy pants conference. Um, yes, and yes. I would really love for you. We, we only have a few more minutes left. Um, uh -huh. unfortunately I could, I, we could do like four parts to this. I think Brad, I really mm -hmm. enjoy all of Definitely. this. Um, but could you tell us a little bit about that and how that, and, you know, the purpose of it and, and, uh, and enjoying God's word. Could you do that? Yes. So I am, this is going to be the second year that I'm involved with the enjoy God's word conference. Katie Orr is, um, she is the mastermind behind this conference. And basically it's this, this conference we're putting online and there's quite a few, I don't know the number off the top of my head. There's a large handful of Bible, um, Bible teachers, speakers, authors who are coming together to help equip women specifically men. There are men who come to, but women specifically to learn, to enjoy God's word, enjoy the Bible, enjoy getting to know what he has to say. And this year it is, um, it's the beginning of March. However, tickets are on sale right now. And the best part, this is my favorite part about the conference is that it's all online. It is not a conference where you have to, um, 
fly anywhere. You don't have to get a hotel. You don't, you don't even have to be at the sessions right when the sessions start, because anybody who attends, um, it's, it, they, we upload their videos and then we do live streaming, um, with our Facebook group and we get to know everybody, um, that way, but it's, it's so cool. And it, I saw lives change last year. Um, last year was the first year I was a part of it. And it's just so fun to get to know everybody and really equip each other with ideas, strategies, even just encouragement to get in, dig into God's word. And so, um, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be fun. And I wear my, I call it the comfy pants conference mm-hmm. because you can wear comfy pants. I literally wore sweatpants while I gave my, gave my talk, my breakout session last year. So So. I -hmm. attended, I attended last year. It was great. Yes. Okay. So did you attend with bling? In my comfy pants. Maybe my house shoes might've been blingy. Melanie's got blingy shoes. That's kind of her thing. (laughs) I love it. I love it. She has uh, stuff on her shoes. I'm listening as a husband and a, and a dad. Um, mm-hmm. listening to this perspective on parenting. And I, I think for dads, it's important uh, for them to understand how much pressure moms are living under, especially in the church. Because there, there's like an extra mm-hmm. level of pressure, isn't there? To be not only a good mom, but a godly mom. Right. And, right. and dads really are kind of out of that loop. Like we don't... <laughs> We don't get to have those discussions in the powder room. Oh, uh, it must be so nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dads are much more like, man, your yard looks good. And that encode means you're taking a yeah. good, you're taking good care of your family. If your yard's yeah. taken care of, like we just know, uh-huh. like if the truck's clean and the yard's mowed, you're, mm-hmm. you're doing a good job, dad. And yeah. we all know what that means. Uh, moms, you guys like, really discuss this. Like you really get into this and there's so much more critiquing and comparison going on uh than dads do and so Mm -hmm. i'm just thinking of the husband who's probably pretty clueless that the stress his wife is under right now what would you say to him how could he be an encouragement to his wife um well first off i think acknowledging it is huge. Um, I talk in my book a lot about, um, this, um, this burden that women have. Um, and it's like the mental checklist, like we are, and I don't know if guys do this, maybe they do. And I'm just not aware, but I don't think they do based on my husband (laughs) other experiences um, that I've had with men, but we are always thinking and we're thinking about all the things that and let's just, we're, let's just talk about our families. Forget about work and all the volunteer stuff we do. You know, we're thinking about the everything that deals with everybody in our families. We're and we're thinking about how to take care of them. We've it's this it's a mental load that we carry that's really heavy. And I have strategies myself. I like brain dumping is a big strategy of mine where I kind of eases the load and just gets it out of my mind and onto paper. But I think for dads, first off, them acknowledging it and knowing that this is happening to their wives and, um, and the the mother of their children. I think that's the first step is just them saying, Hey, I know you've got a lot going on in your head. Like, and then asking, how can I help? You know, it, it would be nice if 
Like I just assume my husband knows what I need. However, he doesn't. (laughs) And so I have to, I have to tell him, you know, I'm sure there are husbands out there who do just know mine is not one of them. So I have to remember to say, Hey, I'm, this is, I keep mulling over this in my head and I can't get it out. Can you help me with this? Can you help, um, ease my burden, share the burden in, in X way, you know, just, and just, tell them. And for the husbands to ask, I think that, that, I mean, that would make my day. If my husband asked me, what can I help you with today? You know, I, I'm going to speak for the men, uh, just cause I thought this is all I got guys. I'm your only rep right now. <laughs> I, I really think we don't know. Uh, we don't know what we don't know. And so it's, it's very important in some way that as wives, as moms, that you let your husband know how overwhelming you feel sometimes about keeping up with all these expectations because because the truth is you're doing an awesome job the truth is you are an amazing multitasking machine and dads all know that like they really do we we understand when we come home that there's an infinite number of things that you did we'll never know about mm-hmm. um and they what we lack is the uh instinct <laughs> to tell you <laughs> We're just kind of, we're just not wired like that. Uh, we can acknowledge it and know it without actually feeling the need to voice it. And so uh, I think just letting your husbands know that you need this affirmation is not a sign of weakness. It is a mm-hmm. sign of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's so, good. so good. I agree. Melanie, any last thoughts? The producer is like waving at me. That were way he's got flags, yeah. <laughs> like the guy in the airport. No, Kristen, I just, I just think that I, um, I mentioned it to you before. I wish I had this book um, twenty-five years ago when I was um, raising my kids, so that I would um, be the very best mom that I could be. I would have probably needed to realize that um, balance was not real. Because I, mm-hmm. oh, the, the, the years of striving to mm. attain mm-hmm. or create balance for myself and for my kids, I ended up in the ditch more than I ended up doing it right. And it really is. I have another friend named Caitlin who she says balance is bull. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I, I really do subscribe to that now, you know, and now that I'm an empty nester, that's really easy for me to look back and say, oh yeah, of course. But for People who are listening now, um, I, I really hope that if one of the things they take away is that um, you don't have to strive for balance, that you need to know your own capacity and um, mm-hmm. operate in, at the most whole manner that you can in that capacity. Yeah, I, I think that that's what I hear. What's what I heard. What's what I took away from your book when I read it. And it's great. I hope people will go buy it. Can you tell us really quickly where they can find that? Yes. Well, it's at all the major retailers. Um and you can read more about it and um, get links to all those retailers at moreformombook.com. And it will be, and this is a secret, nobody knows this yet, but it is going to be in audio form in 2020. Right so on. that is coming soon. Um, so yeah, moreformombook.com. We've been uh, talking with Kristen Funston the author of More for Mom, Living Your Whole and Holy Life. Thank you, Kristen, for being a part of this amazing podcast. (laughs) Oh, thank you for having me. 
What a fun interview. Wasn't it? I thought so. I I took a lot of notes. Um, she made some even kind of controversial statements, which I'm still thinking about. Them. Uh, one of them is, is motherhood our highest calling? Speaking as a mom to, uh, to moms. What do you think? Do you agree with her? No? You know, I... Um I think it's a very high calling. I think it's a very important thing. You read a lot about a, a, a mom throughout the Bible, but you know, she's right. There's no thing in the word that says this is the highest calling of God. Um, you know, you think about Mary, you think about Eve, you think about other moms who obviously were a big part of biblical history, but you know, I, I'm not sure. I think, I think I agree with her. Okay. Well, I, I'm chewing on it still. I'm, I'm, I don't disagree. I'm just thinking about it. Um, it's one of those, you know, you look at the biblical narrative and there are uh, plenty of examples of women who engaged for the kingdom of God. Like they did things and no one mentions their children, yeah. you know, like Esther. Right. Um, think about Deborah and Barak. You know, she was a warrior queen type individual in the Old Testament, you know, hear about her kids. Um, and so I, I just, I'm thinking about even uh, Ruth, you know, just her uh, story as a widow and how God used her. I, I think there is more to life than your children. I think it's a huge part and maybe it is the highest calling for a season, but, but in the scope of your whole life, I think I could see that it could be a snare, even a an idolatry. I mean, you could actually, I know people who worship their kids. Right. You know, I mean, they, they are living their dreams out through their kids. It's a vicarious, messed up thing to watch, you know. Dads and moms. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't want to be right. <laughs> sexist here. <laughs> uh, dads, for sure, with sports. And, and um, so we, we have these plans for our kids. And they can consume us and we can sort of try to groom them to be something that, that God maybe didn't call them to be. And ultimately, they're watching us for that grooming. And so if we're overloading ourselves and we're drowning in responsibilities at the school on top of our work responsibilities and home responsibilities and just mm -hmm. keeping a relationship with our husbands and, of course, the Lord, um, you know, they could watch that and think, OK, this is what I have to do. I have to do all the things or I'm not going to please God. I'm not going to please my spouse. I'm not going to be a good parent. And I, she just debunks all of that in this book. Yeah, I think in, in the Christian culture of the modern era, there is this sort of uh, going back to the law, the legalistic ways of our past. You know, we sort of put ourselves back in bondage. And Paul writes about, don't do that. You know, don't go back to these old ways. God has freed us through Christ. There's a new covenant. There's a new Testament. Yes. Um, but in the politeness of our culture, we don't say we're going back into bondage. We just strive to live better than everybody else. So at the root of this, it might be pride. Mm. Like we're trying to raise better kids than someone else. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's a great thing to ponder. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I, I think the the burdens, the expectations, some of it are self-imposed. I mean, some of it's coming from the social media world of comparison, but some of it's internal. Some of us is like, man, I have higher standards and this is the way it's going to be. Um, and so we strive for something that that only grace can give us. 
Yeah. That's really good. That is really, really good. So uh, there's some links that we're going to make sure are on our website. Uh, the Enjoy the Word Conference sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, comfy pants. Yeah, like you can wear your yoga. Well, you, not you. I'm not wearing yoga pants. Okay. No. <laughs> Not. I'll wear my yoga pants <laughs> and some fluffy socks and a cup of tea, you know, at the, at the, you know, it's okay. just great. At your, I get the image in good. my mind. All right, I'm going to come up with some guy conference and put it out there on one of these episodes. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think this is so important for mom. If you're listening to this, you're stressed, you're burned out, you're feeling this weight. You don't know how to get it off of you. You need a community of other moms that are in it with you. They're not competing. They're not break. They're not trying to teach you something. They're just trying to walk this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any last thoughts before we wrap this up? Well, I just want to make sure that everyone listening knows that they can go to their favorite listening app and leave us a recommendation. Five stars, right, Brad? Yes, you said it. Yes. Five stars. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Brilliantly Brave. Uh she is an Instagram queen. She loves Instagram. And so we will have fantastic Instagram posts, which means you should follow us, like she said. And I think if you share that, you're helping us share the message of hope uh, that is brilliantly brave parenting. We'll be here next week. Same station, same channel, all that <laughs> stuff. God bless. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week.